Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. My name is Tom Masters, and we're talking with uh, Dr. David Hanscom this morning about mirror neurons. And uh, first of all, welcome to the show, Dr. Hanscom. Thanks, Tom. I enjoy enjoy, um, discussing some of these concepts here. And uh, today, uh, today's topic I thought was very interesting. The title uh, you're calling it a mirror neurons and family healing. And first of all, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about uh, what you mean by mirror neurons in the context of chronic pain. Well, the mirror neurons are an interesting phenomena. It's basically how we learn is by imitating, and they were discovered in the primate lab, the monkey lab, years ago when. They had these, what was called functional MRI scans on these monkeys' brains, and they were put in through different tests and find which part of the brain was stimulated by what stimulus. And a researcher had me walking down the middle aisle eating a banana or penis or something, and all of a sudden all these monkeys' scans started to light up in the appetite center, the eating center. And so by simply watching the researcher eating the food, why the monkey's eating center was stimulated there. They've also shown when football fans are throwing a football quarterback throw the football is that the throwing center lights up in their brain. Where you smile at a baby, the baby smiles back. It's not because the baby's happy. It's just that the smiling center of the baby's brain was stimulated. Or, for instance, when people start to laugh and the people laugh, again, the stimulation of the people's laugh center or yawning centers or crying centers. So it's the way we... Somehow the brain actually imitates things around it is how we all learn. We don't know if it's a specific type of neuron or it's a category of neurons or just the way, way the brain works in general, but we do know the nervous system has a very distinct mirroring effect. And, and how, does that, uh, how does that affect um, uh, someone with chronic pain in the context of a family situation? Well, I I usually try to get both halves of a couple into my office, and I point out the fact, look, if you're having a bad day, what do you think your partner's day is like? And invariably, of course, why people's shoulders sag, and they go, well, it's a bad day. So same thing with a good day. If somebody's having a good day, when you walk in the house, why you're going to stimulate that presence in the household, in the room with your kids and your spouse. So we talked about earlier, if you act a certain way, you'll precipitate behavior in people around you that either makes you happy or not so happy. So let's pretend you're in chronic pain, which is not obviously not a pretend situation, but let's say you're in chronic pain and you just had an unpleasant discussion with your claims examiner or doctor or disappointed in some way, shape, or form, and your partner or wife is home or husband's home with the two kids, let's say, let's say ages seven and five, and you walk through the door and you're in a really bad mood. What do you think that does to your family? So what you've done, you've stimulated that part of your, ba- your family's brain, and so the kids will get upset. Your your partner's going to act in a way that's maybe not so welcoming, and you're emitting this energy that's really quite negative, and then, of course, you get negative energy back. Then that re-stimulates your brain, and so now they're doing things that irritate you even more. But guess who started the ball rolling? It was you. So what's happening is that 
by understanding the mirror neuron effect, that's why it's so critical for each person in the family to work on their own issues and actually become, I, I hate the word happy because it's deeper than happy, just being connected, joyous, connected vision, um, living a full life. And as you do that, well, you actually stimulate that part of the brain and people around you. You've heard the saying, the only person you can change on this planet is you. And it's actually a very deep observation because as you change, it actually does change people around you in a very positive or negative way. So chronic pain is particularly a problem. I'll never forget a physical therapist years ago was telling me about her childhood. And they lived in New York by Coney Island. And her father was a wonderful guy that had all sorts of family outings. And really just a very delightful childhood. And then when she was about 12 years old, he lost his job. So he um, is like a big fog rolled in the front door. And from that point on, life was never the same in that household. It was like living in a dungeon. And anger came in the door. It stayed there. And this endless back-and-forth game kept being played with mirror neurons, etc. And it really just devastated the household. But the mirror neuron effect is not a psychological issue. It's a very direct neurological link to the other person. So the the members of the family will essentially, in a more or less unconscious way, perhaps, uh, mirror what they're seeing coming from you. Right. Um, And then it gets mirrored back. So so how... um, so, so given, and then, it, it, as I recall from some of our earlier episodes, this kind of uh, mirror behavior, if you will, gets sort of wired in over time, becomes right. almost un, unconscious and reinforced. Uh, so, so uh, how can you how can you utilize uh, this knowledge of mirror neurons then to kind of break this cycle? Sort of take it the other way. We we see how it to negatively impact everyone around you? Is there some conscious steps you can take to sort of break out of that cycle using well, think, the mirror neuron concept? Yeah, I think I think becoming aware of your own behaviors affecting other people is really, really critical. Unfortunately, when you're in chronic pain and you're angry and you're upset, you actually lose awareness of the needs of the people around you and you certainly can't see the effect of your bad mood on people around you because to, to you, it just seems like they're in a bad mood for no reason. Well, there's a high chance before you came home that they're probably laughing, playing, running around, doing things that they normally do, maybe getting ready for dinner, et cetera. And you walk in the door and you're in a bad mood. All of a sudden, the mood's going to change in a second, right? So honestly, if you're in that bad mood, you should just stay out of the house until you come into a good mood. Then you don't have to contrive it or really work on it, but you really just have to really, whatever it takes to calm yourself down, whether it's a little bit of mindfulness, relaxation, we've talked about these writing exercises, whatever it takes to create a decent mood in yourself has to happen before you walk through that front door. You just have to do it. And the other thing is I always ask patients, well, do you like your family? And of course, they, not only do I like my family, I love my family, I would do anything for them. Well, why would you want to come in the house and put them into a bad mood, right? I mean, it makes no sense in a way, but again, you're so consumed by your anger and frustration, you actually can't see those other people's needs around you. So it's really critical to understand your impact on other people's behavior on you. 
The same thing with the rest of your family is that as you understand, I talked to the partner of the person in pain. I said, look, same thing with you. It's really important for you to become independent of your partner and to work on your own mood and understand that if you're in a bad mood and the person in chronic pain is in a bad mood, guess what? The trigger is about a 10 to 1 ratio. I'm just guesstimating here, of course. But if somebody's in chronic pain is not in a great mood a lot of the time and for legitimate reasons, and then you are in a bad mood. When you trigger the person in chronic pain, it's a nuclear explosion. I mean, it's really a disproportionate explosion of the situation. And so, again, you may not be able to control the person's mood, but you have choice over your own, choices on your own. So if you're in a good mood, there's a higher chance that you're not going to trigger your spouse's bad mood. Now, what's fascinating to me, which I don't quite have the answer for this one, Okay, let's say I'm in a good mood and the person walks in the door and is in a bad mood. The bad mood tends to win, right? Mm-hmm. I don't, in other words, why wouldn't my good mood really put the person coming through the door in a good mood? So the person in the bad mood still tends to trigger the part of the brain, I think, that goes into the bad mood. It doesn't mean you shouldn't try. If you're the partner or spouse that's in a good mood, it's really critical to try to maintain that even though the other person has been triggered. And there's a pretty high chance, I think, again, this is not a straight line discussion, but if you're in a good mood, happy to see what's going on, and you can brush off the first three to five minutes, maybe you can penetrate that really angry mood. I also think unless both has of the couple understand the rules about the mirror neurons, that you don't have much of a chance with this. In other words, that person in a bad mood, you're in a good mood, the bad mood's probably going to win because it's really deeply embedded, strong, powerful. And the good mood is what it is, and it could win if both people understood sort of the rules of the mirror neurons. The thing that's hard about this now, is that... Go ahead. Oh, I was going to ask, are there things uh, like ambient things in the environment like music or something that you can have so when the person walks through the door, you know, maybe uh, can they they signal, hey, I just I need to be alone, or I'd like to put some music on that makes me feel better, or whatever for the for some amount of time, something to kind of get shift their mood back. Yeah, you know, that's a great idea. I hadn't honestly thought of that exactly in those terms, but that's a great idea. I think that honestly, what we I'd love to do is some future program is have listeners call in that maybe have tried some of the things we're suggesting here today and, and see what happens. And I think we'd have to take both heads of the couple to actually sit down when they're both in a reasonable mood and say, look, okay, you're in a bad mood, I'm in a good mood, and what are our rules of engagement that when I'm in a bad mood, it could be either partner, of course, it's not always a person in pain, but if one person is in a bad mood, do you take a time out? Do you both go through a five or ten minute ritual of just relaxation mindfulness? Do you put on the good music? Do you, again, we've talked about before, about not discussing a bad day, not discussing pain, et cetera, which always triggers things. But do you create an environment right from the beginning that if, I think each couple could theoretically develop a strategy that if the triggering is occurring or the mirror neuron effect is occurring, of actually reversing the process, actually flipping it into a positive thing. Because it does work both ways, clearly. Mm-hmm. 
But again, I think it would take a proactive discussion before that mere non-effect occurred to actually make that process work. But no, well, I think that's well, a great idea. I, I would agree with out. that. I think they've talked so, about so the, before the reaction. Right. Uh, maybe, I mean, they have to talk out before they ever encounter a situation what the rules, kind of the rules of engagement will be. Um, right. As you say, you know, understand that beforehand so that when the situation comes up, you sort of go into that that behavior pattern. Right. But I think I think the one of the key understanding is to understand that when you're in chronic pain, that when you're triggered or upset about something, that the reactions could be way, way more than it would normally be if you if you weren't in chronic pain. Because the, the pump's already pre-primed. You're already adrenalized to some degree. You're already in pain. You're not feeling very good. And so it's a problem. You know, you, you understand if the other person who's not in pain can understand the impact of the of the reaction. Now, and, and I'm embarrassed to say, I mean, I'm not very happy. I mean, I wish I could live my life over again, but as you know, I was in chronic pain for, you know, 15 years. And it's even still now a pattern that I don't like that a lot of times when I get triggered, that the reaction is disproportionate to the situation. And it's discouraging. And the problem is when reactions occur, they are irrational, they're very powerful, and they sort of wipe out everybody else's peace of mind. And I think understanding the power of being triggered is a really critical part of this process also. And so it's something I have to remind myself quite a bit I have a lot of stress on it going in my life, so I keep trying to become aware of my actions and other people. I also remember, I'm a little bit embarrassed to admit this, but I'll just, I'll remember where I actually realized that there's something going on. Where I deal with people in chronic pain a lot, we've had a huge amount of success, but I also realized that a certain number of people really are not in the mood to listen, they're having a bad day, they can't listen, etc. But I remember a day... I literally had five patients in a row walk out of the office really angry. He's not going to do my surgery. He's a charlatan, all sorts of stuff. I mean, people were really, really upset. It was five in a row. <laughs> so at that point, I go, wait a second. There's something going on here is that I've never had that happen before or since. But I also realized that I was having a really bad day. I was not in a good mood. I was a little bit short, a little abrupt. And I that's actually the point in my practice where I started becoming aware of the power of the mirror neurons. And I had forgotten about that. This has been around for a long time, but I realized that my behavior is actually triggering their behavior. And literally within two weeks, we, we really changed the, the entire way we approach chronic pain. And our goal is to listen and try to help out. We, If I'm in a bad mood, I at least it stays at the clinic door. I do, my, I do my own exercises at home, my writing relaxation exercises before I come to work. And since that awareness years ago, consistently, we, we just have a lot of fun in clinics. So we've actually flipped the paradigm that pain, pain pathways are permanent, but so are play pathways. So I made a decision to enjoy my staff, enjoy my patients, enjoy my administration, et cetera, et cetera. And just by creating that paradigm shift of having a really good time at work, at play, really changed the entire practice dramatically. So just just by remembering that principle that just in dealing in working with your patients, you 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 your attitude can reflect to them, and since they are experiencing chronic pain, it'll be amplified even more 
the mirror neuron effect can be amplified either positively or negatively, even more right. than maybe in a normal situation. Right, and, and it's not a manipulative too. In other words, if you're in a good mood, your patients are in a good mood, whatever it is. I mean, remember, you can't really control the people's reactions. So I can be in a great mood, and it may not make any difference at all to the person who's in pain. I mean, those are pain so overwhelming, it doesn't really matter what you do. And But I also have learned, also, I have learned that when they're in a really bad mood, I still get triggered. I mean, I have to be really careful myself because if a person's in a really bad mood, remember, I can get triggered also. So I literally sometimes leave the room and let my nurse take over because I obviously am very ineffective at that point, right? So, But most of the time, I don't get triggered and I can just let it go. And what's been really exciting is that a lot of people have been so labeled, so frustrated, so deep in the hole of chronic pain that they actually feel like they're being heard for maybe the first time in years. And it's not a formula, but just by being heard, interacting, we're having a good time. I, I would think it's probably a mirror neuron's effect. It wakes up something in their brain, and the conversations start changing pretty dr- dramatically into a fiction conversation, into more of a creative conversation. So it's been fascinating to watch that. And again, we've had lots of success with this project, but it's not formulaic. It's a concept project. It's a combination of understanding pain, um, being listened to, taking control of your own care. I mean, all those things add up, but I do think that mirror neurons effect is a huge deal. And it, it sounds like from what you're saying, every every uh, couple or family can sort of design their own way to use the, to leverage that mirror neuron concept to stop it from, from making the negative, uh, the negative, amplifying the negative behaviors. Um, right. It sounds like you can design your own, your own, once you understand it, you can design your own program for making it work for you. Right. And, and, and also, I mean, my mentors have, you know, told me that basically relationships are complicated, right? So you, you just do the best you can. I mean, you're going to fail a lot, but even if two-thirds of the time you just avoid a conflict, it just makes life a lot better. So understanding you also give yourself a break when you fail, because that generally happens a lot. But by making that effort, I mean, I have a, have a ways to go. I'm much better than I was five years ago when I first started this process. And so, yeah, you definitely can, by understanding the issues around mirror neurons and your effect on people around you, it can have a huge effect on your quality of life. Well, uh, Dr. Hanscom, I I would like to thank you uh, for enlightening us today about the mirror neurons and the way that they affect our experience of pain and affect the people around us. I think this is something that... um, can be of help to a lot of people. And I was going to ask if uh, on your website, which I know is very extensive, uh, backincontrol.com, are there some resources that you could point people to uh, if they want to dive into this a little more deeply? Well, under stage one, again, this is sort of a concept process, but stage one is learning the basic foundation. Then at the bottom of stage one, there's a family areas, but also just type in mirror neurons into the search bar and you'll understand the impact of them. And again, the mirror neurons affect really, the, probably the family is a basic part of the process affected the most, but mirror neurons affect pretty much every aspect of chronic pain. 
But yeah, look at mirror neurons on the search bar and explains a little more detail, you know, about the impact of mirror neurons on your quality of life, but particularly in the quality of life of those around you. Because again, remind yourself that, okay, you love your kids, you love your family, and if you're in a bad mood, you're actually stimulating the bad part of their brain. Why do you want to do that? So conversely, you can do a wonderful thing in your family by just staying, you know, doing the best you can to stay in a good mood. It makes a huge difference. Well, very good. And again, for our listeners, uh, that uh, that uh, URL is atkincontrol.com. Again, uh, thank you, Dr. Hanscom, and we look forward to talking to you again on the next episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Thank you. 